This is deep dish, right? Yeah, well, let's get deep. So, so I'm, I'm going deep on both sides. Chris, welcome to the platform, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Now, I'm glad that you're here. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get into all things Chris Hatch, <laughs> all things just community, performing arts, pro production, songwriting, all of these amazing things that you do, fam. And uh, so thank you. Oh, man, thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Are you man. ready for this? I'm ready. I'm ready. Long time coming. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and it's always special when you have a, when I have a native Nashvilleian. Oh, and man. So, and so let's, let's get straight into that, man. Growing mm -hmm. up here in Nashville, what area was that? What, did that? what did that experience look like for you? For sure, for sure. I always claim uh, Westside and Bordeaux. Um, but you know, in reality, we kind of done bopped around. Like we literally done been west, north, east, south. Uh, grew up though on Thirty Second Avenue, right behind TSU. Uh, my mom's a TSU grad, so we pretty much moved into the house that she was like. She moved in after college, so um, went from there to Bordeaux. You know, went to Kings Lane, all of that, and yeah. then. Uh, yeah, we was out in Antioch for like a hot second. <laughs> when Antioch was the suburbs. Yeah, Antioch is own thing for real now. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, my dad got a place over off of uh, Dickerson Road, so kind of eastish, you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Man, how was that family dynamic, man, growing up, man? What did that look like in the Hatch yeah. household? Man, it was interesting. So... Um, you know, both my parents from Dayton, Ohio. Uh, my mom was down here for school. She had um, gone back. My dad's a funeral director, so she had gone back to a funeral, met my dad. They kept in touch, and, you know, long story short, got married, and he moved down here. And uh, they started a family. Um, so he started a business, uh, House Hatch Funeral Home. It used to be on Jefferson Street. Uh, I won't say where because a lot of y'all go to where it is now. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it was just, um, it was interesting because I, I was growing up with, you know, with my dad, an entrepreneur, a preacher, um, and at that, like, a funeral director. So he was just checking off a lot of these just interesting boxes of, like, your kid going to have an interesting upbringing. <laughs> um, and then my mom, you know, kind of similarly, uh, she was a CPA, worked for the state, but very, very involved in the community and very involved in our church growing up, um, you know, really, really involved with the kids and, and the youth. And so that impressed upon me a lot. And so, man, I just say growing up, like, you know, especially now, like doing music, I grew up with two people who really, really love music, mm. but didn't really like play or like sing or anything like that. So they exposed me to that love of music. Um, they exposed me to a love of community and people. And, um, you know, just what it meant to like really have that kind of true, real, like sacrificial love. Like, you know, nobody's perfect. So right. like I'm getting to that age where I'm starting to understand like, oh, like my parents, like, you know, my mom's not with us anymore, but my, my dad still is. And in either way, like, you know, your parents are like, they're human. You know what I mm. mean? So like you, you go through those periods of like reflecting back on things. It's like, oh man, like, yeah the things that they were trying to navigate and deal with, like, you know, I thought they were superheroes and they were probably, you know, just as scared as I am, you right. know, sometimes dealing with things. So, yeah. Yeah. It is crazy how you look back and like my mom had me when she was 20. Man. Yeah. Right. And my dad was 
28 at the time, right? And so only a few years older than me yeah. now. And so I think about like how I would have been at 20. Uh-huh. Things I would have done, said, not said, not done as a, as a parent trying to raise a child, right? Um, the missteps, mm-hmm. right? And so as you get older, you realize like, man, they were just kids. Well, my mom was definitely. And so like it makes you really reflect on like things you might have like blamed them for mm-hmm. or was mad at them about it. And you say, man, it was just, they was just young trying to figure it out. Or even like with my pops, like, you know, he, he's not really, I wouldn't say shy about telling this part of like his upbringing, but his, uh, his grandfather was, um, you know, like the, the local numbers man. You mm. know what I mean? So he's running a numbers game. And, uh, you know, we was actually just talking about this, uh, you know, I was telling you earlier, me and my dad went on a trip and, um, you know, their house got raided like mm. several times when he was growing up. Like, I think the first time he was eight years old and, uh, I asked him, you know, it's like that, that wasn't traumatic for you. And he was like, I didn't know. It just, it felt normal, mm. you know? And so just realizing like, you know, like dang, the stuff that he's been through, like, he's really like. It's a miracle, you know right? I mean? <laughs> he turned out to be like a, right. you know, a, a decent well, citizen, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so you know, it's it's one of those things. Like, yeah, I, I've just I've learned to look back on those experiences, and I'm, and I'm learning, you know, even now. Like, man, I got this fortune cookie the other day that said, um, "Everything in life is beautiful, um, but not everyone chooses to see it." Mm. and I was like dang that's really real and I've just been trying to like integrate that in my life like just since I saw that last week like dang the world is beautiful yeah it's some messed up stuff but I'm saying but like it makes you sometimes like it takes for many of us probably most of us it takes like for for something to almost happen Mm mm-hmm like Man. to see that beauty, like my life is actually pretty good, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, damn, yeah. you know, like so, like it's like so that fortune cookie that you got is like really right on spot, and that, and it's all about because it's easy to get distracted. I think with all the things that you a person may not have, mm-hmm. um, the rejection, the letdowns, mm-hmm. the failures, because mm-hmm. I think that that probably happens more than you know. The good stuff, mm-hmm. right? It's, and 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 then social media probably doesn't help when you see, mm-hmm. you know, when you think you're seeing everybody live their best life and mm-hmm. life is life for them, mm-hmm. and it's not for you, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so that beauty, you know, it's, it, it may be hard to see that mm-hmm. at times, but like when you think about it, like having a chance to just wake up and. Like try to get it right the like that yeah. day, and then have another opportunity to get it right the next day. Like you know, um, it's beauty in that. Mm-hmm. It's beauty in that. Um, so like your parents, right? None of them being like musicians and artists mm-hmm. themselves personally. Like, where did that inspiration come from? Then to like want to pick up an instrument and. And not just sing, but play a guitar and, mm-hmm. and just become a few musician. And, like, where did that inspiration come from? Man, it's interesting that you asked that. Um, so, like, you know, both of them, you know, as a lot of 
kids who went to like public schools, they dabbled a little bit. My mom played clarinet, you know, through high school. Um, my dad, I think he was like, he used to mess around on the drums, but never really like that wasn't, you know, a yeah. thing, you know. But um, I found out later on, like after I was already like, in, like I was playing in bands and stuff, playing guitar. Um, and I found out my grandfather on my mom's side actually was like, in a, like in a band, like he was in one of those like you know gospel bands or whatever uh, up in Dayton, and um, you know amongst all the other things that he was managing to squeeze into his schedule, like managing properties and working sixty hours a week at the GM plan and doing like odd jobs around the city, like he was finding time to like practice and go play gigs with his band and stuff, like. And I, I didn't even know that growing up. Mm -hmm. And there's a picture of me, ironically, um, sometimes we would go up to Dayton for Christmas. And so one Christmas we were up there, and um, there's this picture of me. I'm like five years old, and I get this, like, toy guitar as a gift. And it's, like, me, like, playing with it in my uh, grandparents' living room. And so looking back, it's like th there's something about that that I feel like uh, carried through. And even, like, even though my parents didn't necessarily, like, you know, they weren't playing music or, or whatever, they were lovers of music. My dad would tell you to this day his life dream is to be one of the Temptations. Like, <laughs> if they called him right now, he'd drop everything, I'm telling you, bro. Uh, <laughs> and, like, That's funny. You know, it's him and the Temptations and James Brown. It's my mom and, like, Luther Vandross, Stevie Wonder, uh, Whitney Houston, um, you know, it just really, having that just, like, played in the house. My dad would, like, he's waking up with the radio going. It's right. 5, 6 in the morning. He don't care. Like, right. we, we jamming. Um, it was it was that kind of experience. Um, I wonder, like, because you're, you're, the, the genre of music that you play, it's, it's, it's it's a wide range, mm -hmm. right? It's like a little bit of blues, a little bit rock and roll, uh -huh. jazz, uh -huh. some R and B in uh -huh. there. So it's like it's a it's a melting pot of like just great genres. Um, how did you end up there? Because you know, like it could have been easy for you to turn on BET uncut, <laughs> right? And then like, oh, this is what yeah, I want to do. do. <laughs> this is the life. And, and like this, just like this, you know, like just growing up, pro like around yeah. your peers, like with like especially like late nineties, going into the two mm thousands, -hmm. like especially being in the south, like we, we that's when we started to dominate like mm -hmm. the hip hop genre specifically, yeah. right? So, um, take us through that process of like finding finding that style for yourself. Yeah, I think. Um, I, man, I think it always starts in church, mm. um, because church, for whatever reason, can, and you know, depending on where you at, like encompass so many different genres, right? Especially as um, things have you know kind of proliferated now. Um, you look at say like uh, Maverick City Music, where it's like they're mixing in like that traditional like CCM that is is very like kind of like arena rock kind of vibe, which I like that too. Like you know the influences there, like U two and some of those type folks. Um, but like 
you you in the, in the same church where you hear that, you could also hear like you know some real kind of like bluesy down home like churchy church mm -hmm. you know type stuff. And so I think growing up in uh, man, first of all, the church I grew up in was kind of crazy. Like looking back. Um, the minister music when I was growing up was uh, he played behind Bobby Jones on the, mm. on the television broadcast. And so, like, you know, we, we were having church, church. I mean, there'd be times where he would go stand on the other side of the keyboard, play it upside down. Like, it, you know, it was like he was, showing, he was showing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 was, it was full on. Um, but, like, the youth choir director, um, he ended up leaving the church because his R&B group, got signed his r&b group was silk like, oh <laughs> probably don't leave the church you know, know? <laughs> um and you know even uh, a very close friend of mine and mentor um in the church who's three years older than me but just so far ahead of his years and his time um in terms of his thought process on music and everything you know he's the um like he's over the music ministry at, at uh, mount zion now so like just coming up under like people who were just talented mm -hmm. and just had like that heavyweight kind of ability, I think was amazing. And then, you know, navigating, like I said, my parents were really big into like R&B and stuff like that. So I was catching all those flavors, you know. Um, by the time I got to Meg's, Hume Fog, which is where I went to middle school and high school, those are predominantly white schools. And so I'm getting exposed to... Sum 41, Blink-182, Green Day, um, high school, I got really, really into Kings of Leon, and they're still one of my favorite mm. bands, like, to this day. And so, you know, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the influence that Kanye had on me, like, from the first time I heard. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, let me, let me, let me, so let's, let's I want to peel back a little bit. Yeah. Because exposure, yeah, like, is important. Yeah. If you didn't go to, if you didn't go to Human Fall, because I think, because I, I went to Head, right? Mm -hmm. And I think Megs and Head was similar. Yeah, because for sure. Yeah, people, like one was on the east side, one mm -hmm. was on the north side, mm -hmm. and then they kind of had their funnel schools, which is MLK and Human Fall, mm -hmm. if you, you know, wanted to take TCAP series and go, <laughs> go into the go into those we schools. About that. And if you wanted to have the rolling backpack and you know all of that stuff, you could have went those routes, oh, right? Uh, shout out to MLK and Fox. But uh, some of us go to Pearl, you know. <laughs> but um I wondered though if you had went to like your zone school, mm -hmm. which is White's Creek, mm -hmm. like with that you do you think you would have found yourself in the same kind of like alternative music making or do you think you maybe would have pivoted somewhere that was kind of like normally cultured yeah. for something that black people typically you know growing up in the areas that we grew up in would have been more fond to yeah i probably would have indexed further into like r&b and hip-hop than i do now mm-hmm um, but I think knowing what I know about myself, I'm a, a naturally just kind of like curious person mm -hmm. and I'm curious about people and culture. Mm -hmm. And so like, even when, like I was kind of known in, in, in high school for just bopping around the different groups. Like I, I was never going to really eat lunch with the same people every day. Right. Um, 
And so I think even at like a, a White's Creek, there there's, you know, it, it might be on the fringes more so than at other places, but there's those people. So I think I probably would have caught some. I would I would have caught some of that. Somebody in there, you know what? Because I, I, I know um, our, our good friend Chico um, and another good friend of mine uh, just went to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I know that other good friend went to White's Creek. And so okay. it's like, you know. <laughs> For, especially for those of us that grew up in like the cable generation, like mm-hmm. a lot of the music I discovered was waking up in the morning. I still had MTV or VH1 on from last night, mm-hmm. and I'm hearing you know random like that was where I discovered like Luke Bryan. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like you know, hey, I'm a country man, a city boy, can't do the things I can. Like that was my jam. Yeah. Like, you know, and so I think that exposure happens. How like deep you drift into those worlds. Mm-hmm probably is largely dependent on like who you're around that's reinforcing that yeah so i think i would have had some of it but maybe not as much yeah that exposure man that that make that can literally make a world of difference um in what's possible right mm-hmm. um because reality is like i was you know we've talked about this before like i you know four to five days a week was at our church Um, you know, after school, my, my mom was teaching Bible study. She was, um, you know, working with the kids, tutoring, like all of that stuff. And so we, you know, our church was like down the street from Preston Taylor, you know what I mean? All all the kids I grew up with, like they were, I mean, my first Yo Gotti CD that got burned for me came from church, you know what (laughs) I mean? So it's that, um, I think that was still there regardless. Yeah. Honestly, that's probably what saved me from just going way, way you right. know the other direction. Um, I want. I want to kind of pivot back. Shout out to, to Malcolm for burning the CD <laughs> back in that day. Hey, them, them, hey, man, <laughs> I was a CD burning master. <laughs> That's when laptops had CDs attached to yes, them, right? Yes. I know more. Um, Got to get that external. Uh, <laughs> um, going back to church, man, because I think this is like just a recurring theme I've heard. Uh, man, I used to go to church a lot, mm-hmm. like Temple, right? Uh-huh. I'm talking about Bobby Jones, you know, that's his church, right? I don't know, you went to Temple. Yeah, that's my, where I'm at now. Yeah, uh, shout out to Pastor Joe Wright, Uncle, yes, Uncle Joe yes. Wright. Uh, but um, yeah, my grandmother sung with Bobby Jones wow. and all of that stuff, yeah. right? So like, like when I say I'm North Nashville, like I'm, yeah, you know, the, it runs deep, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um. Like I think I, I might have sung in the church. I, I sung in the children's choir, acolyte, all of that, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, man, and the moment I didn't, I could not go. <laughs> yeah. Like because it was just, it was exhausting. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot for a child, right? For yeah. an adolescent, um, or whatnot. So I'm curious. Um, are you, you are you active now and going to church? And did that ever waver? Mm-hmm. Any, especially like you know, like. Like church and you know kind of the music that you make, you know, it's a little different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and like how's that balance been? And like, and how's that kind of that's because that's a core, right? That's mm-hmm. like kind of where you found the inspiration. So mm-hmm. how's that kind of been balanced as you matured in music and as that kind of looked and sound a little different from what's happening in the church and 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 church has changed, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. And and. And your participation in that, how does that all kind of play a part in your maturity? 
so um, I went, like I said, we were in church, you know, for <laughs> four or five days a week. When uh, I went to MTSU, I, I, of course, you know, just was separated from all of that. <laughs> you, go, you go to college. <laughs> um, <laughs> but even then, my first job at MT, like when I was in Murfreesboro, um, was at a church. I was running sound for a church down there. Um, and, uh, you know, even though um, I had, I wasn't as involved in just kind of like the culture and like the community in, in that way, like, I, those are still my roots. Mm -hmm. So what I found is like even in my times where I was out there, because I was out there, um, you know, that that spirit has never been too far. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And that community has never been too far. Um, and I do think it's important, you know, just on a, on another note to not not separate the two, but understand where they're different. You know what I mean? Like. Um, the, the relationship with God and the relationship with people are, is two different things. Okay. Um, and, but I, I'm thankful for both. Right. Because there was that period. And honestly, there was a period where, because we grew up in a, in a different church. And uh, for various reasons, like when I was uh, in college, when I was living in Murfreesboro, I wasn't in college at that point, <laughs> but, but I was living in Murfreesboro. Um, we uh my, my family decided to to change churches and um that was when they decided to go to temple and because that was my home church like mm -hmm. that was where i grew up like you know so many of my childhood memories and and my friends like um people were like i call family my yeah. brothers like um it felt like we were abandoning that at first and i was already I, I wasn't really, like, in the habit of going anyway. So it was like, mm -hmm. now you just want me to go to some random place that I um, had, you know, never, like, been to. Don't or have whatever. no ties to. Have yeah. no ties to. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was that was a struggle in itself, and it took me a little while. And it's, it's so ironic um, because, you know, over time I just – I, I know I'm at the right place now. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, and I'm, I'm thankful that we, we made that move. Uh, but, but yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's interesting because it, I think having that time out in a way mm -hmm. allowed me to have deep relationships with people that had nothing to do with, like, we're showing up to school every day or I'm seeing you at church every Sunday or choir rehearsal during the week. And being able to explore all of that with people, I think has really shaped how I think about community now and mm -hmm. the community that church could provide. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and there are some that do, and like I said, I'm thankful that I'm a part of, of one that um, is all about community. Um, Shout out to Temple. Shout out to you know, Temple. That's, my, that's the only, that's my family, that's the only thing I know, you know. We never changed up. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, this, is, this is what I'm interested in, kind of the most, especially when I talk to artists, mm -hmm. you know, artistes. Mm -hmm. um, it's their community aspect. Mm -hmm. 
um, and what that means, how that plays into the journey in music. Yeah. Um, what does community mean to you today? Hmm. I knew we were going to get to like the deep question part. Here, we, here go. we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, man, you know, it's interesting. I think for me, community is about a lot of things. I think it is about um, love and respect. Mm -hmm. I think it's about give and take. I think it is, and just on that give and take piece, I think it is about understanding that sometimes that's lopsided, you know, that right. doesn't always mean 50-50, as, as Pastor John might say sometimes. Um, and I think it is about seeing other people and seeing their need and doing what whatever's in your power to um, to help meet that. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean like you know everybody can't you know be at the soup kitchen. Somebody got to be over you know taking care of some other piece of the community. But right. I, I am one of those people that thinks. <laughs> You know, when we all do a little something, right. it means a lot more of us have what we're supposed to have or, or should have. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a community should be an extension of family in, in some way. Mm. Music has affected communi communities in mm -hmm. various ways, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um some would say, of course, in a positive light. Some would say, in a negative light. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on the state of music and how it has affected community? And we can even be more specifically, the black community, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, let's just start there. Man. <laughs> <laughs> just so, your thoughts on it. Yeah, you know? no, I mean... You know, if, if I'm going to be really honest about at least my view mm -hmm. on it, um, and I'm going to talk a little bit just about, like, local community, but I'm also going to talk about, like, the industry yeah. and just what I've seen from it, having friends who are, you know, deeper in it. Um, Take us there. You know, I think the, the wonderful piece about music in the black community is, one, it has... Our expression. I, I went to Fisk University, so man, the, the spaceship just powered down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the thing with music, so like I went to Fisk University, um, you know, home of the Jubilee Singers, and you know what they really did was take the power of music and expose it, and expose their experience, and expose um, the trials and tribulations the joys through all of that to audiences that had never really had a chance to view um, the black experience through art, mm -hmm. not just in the news, not just in folk tales and stories, especially because a lot of the audiences they were performing to were Northern audiences. So like their view of slavery was, you know, distant. Right. Um, and I think about, you know, you, you take it all the way through, um, say to like, 
you know, I think what was happening in, in L.A. and Compton, like with the gangster rap era, like N.W.A., like all those folks, Snoop Dogg, a lot of that draw was they were talking about like their experience and it was raw and it was real and it was visceral. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the same thing with the Jubilee singers. When they really started, the story goes like they were singing opera music and like classical music and couldn't get attention. And when they started singing the Negro spirituals, the stuff that they were singing out in the fields, people started going, oh, what, what is this? Right. And so I just think, man, like that one ability to express has been pivotal. Right. Um, because the thing about a, it can be the same message. Like, uh, I think there's like a Tupac video I'm on like, mess up the, the paraphrase where he's like, you know, we broke, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, and we're beating down the door. You put that to a melody, well, like, you can get that message across, right. you know, while people are on the dance floor, you know what I'm saying? And, right. and eventually they're going to go, wait a minute, you know? Yeah. And so I think that is, has been one piece of it. Economically, because of the music industry, a lot of people have been able to, like, lift themselves out of, you know. Create generational wealth. You know, man, I was trying to explain that to somebody who, um, you know, comes from a very different background, white, uh, East Tennessee, and, you know, uh, from my understanding, his background is kind of conservative, um, but he's open-minded. And explaining to him how, like, the trap music and stuff that's coming out of, like, Memphis and Atlanta is so similar to the blues, so similar to Negro spirituals, because it's all people just saying, like, I'm going through it, but I'm going to sing a song about it. I'm going through it, but I'm going to find some joy. I'm going through it, but I'm going to lift myself out and right. find a way. And there's beauty in that. Right. The ugly piece, though. Well, you gotta, what did you want Well, to I was going to, like, you brought it up, not me, but uh, the whiteness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the whiteness of it. Um, and... The, the the culture cult, culture mm-hmm. uh, appropriation mm-hmm. um when like your your the music that you make right like this some of it like rock and roll mm-hmm. um many people credit that to Elvis mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. right but we know like Chuck Berry and others that was before him, um, you know, were the... Who influenced. Who influenced them, but were the inventors of mm-hmm. what we call today rock and roll, right? Um, and I bring it up to say that you're in a very unique place in music because is it fair to say that your audience base is probably going to be white, right? You're, is that... Is that, is that fair to say uh so i think for some of the the older stuff and so like for for the people who don't know like it it used to sound a lot heavier than it it does now um i mean and even like before doing like my like solo stuff like Mm -hmm. debuting as a a solo artist um i was in a rock band like we were um you know we were not to say that black people don't enjoy rock no, music. No, I just, I think, I want to make that clear too. But yeah. we know there's like 
like it's it's obvious mm-hmm. of what type of genres like racially mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that we gravitate to mm-hmm. based on like our culture mm-hmm. you know and like we know hip hop and rap mm-hmm. that's going to be primarily and dominated by black folks black mm-hmm. and brown folks people of color rock and roll on the other hand now is we know what type of audience that's going to bring a more mm-hmm. a wider audience mm-hmm. country music mm-hmm. a wider audience even though all of these things have black people behind them as far as the initial start of them, mm-hmm. right? Um, um, but we know now, like, we see, we see the, we see the kind of, the ratio, right, the demographic right, right. ratio, right? And so I, I just had to point that out and make that clear, that we enjoy those music too, yeah. but, re- but like, the majority, the primary listening base um, is, 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 is probably white for you. I, so... And I wonder how does that make you feel? <laughs> well, so like, like I was saying, where we were mm-hmm. definitely. Um, I think right now it's a, it's a lot more of a solid mix. Okay. Um, and interestingly enough, I think some of that was intentional in the sense that the more I really tried to hone in on like what is that blend for me, like mm-hmm. what is my unique expression really sound like, what are the elements, and like really. Right. Not necessarily getting formulaic about it, but like getting very intentional about which pieces I want to pull from. So like, right. like I said, Kanye was a big influence. Um, so pulling in like the kind of soulful drum programming on top of like, you know, they might be R and B chords, but they distort it and they heavy. You know right. what I'm saying? And, um, or you know, even some of the the melody lines, I'll tend to pull back and forth from like. R&B stuff to like real kind of rock type style and Prince is a big influence because I think he did that mm. probably better than anybody. Um, Prince, you just give me a lot of stuff to just throw at you, man. <laughs> you know, he did put the slave in his beard. Yeah. Right? Um, and we talk about whiteness. Yeah. Right? Um, how do you feel and how do you I guess intend to navigate you, just, you you touched on on it a little bit as far as the industry when you know there's like predatorial kind of people that want to just like take your just take your shit mm-hmm. and own it and 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 in a sense prints you mm-hmm. <laughs> right mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. where you you know where like you a slave you're working you're working for them um i think that it's changed a little bit because of the independency of like streaming platforms mm-hmm. and stuff but hey People still get mixed up into those things due to like desperation, financial yep. troubles, challenges, and just you know, people just want the fame sometimes or don't know the know how or to get a lot, you know, these things. And so, how do you how do you feel about that? And then how do you navigate around that to make sure you're not a slave um, to the like to the whiteness that still controls music industry. Yeah, I mean, so I really try and think about it because the reality is like there, there's good actors and there are bad actors. Right. Period. Black, you know? white, yellow in between. Yeah, um, and I've I've experienced some some stories or you know people who I was you know connected to. Um, honestly, like one of this like business situations I was in, I wouldn't have known to get out of it um, if it wasn't for the fact that I heard. A, another group of people talking about a friend of mine who was in a really bad deal, mm. 
And then when I got offered a similar situation, I was like, I don't even know why it's not good, but I remember them <laughs> roasting this man. <laughs> um, and so to your point, like, um, I do this thing called Happy Sunday sometimes on my IG, and, and you know, it's where we just talk about different topics in 60 seconds and we focus on uh, solutions, you know. Um, and the solution at that time for me was, and I don't even know it, it took some time to get there, but like going back to school, um, which is how I ended up at Fisk. Fisk has a great program in partnership with Belmont University, uh, thanks to the Curve Family Foundation. And um, I was able to get a music business degree from Fisk University um, and take classes at Belmont. And, you know, being able to learn about the real inner workings of the industry mm -hmm. um, and allowing myself to be a sponge mm -hmm. for that, I think was really like, you know, education is always going to, you know, help anybody out of, right. you know, uh, most, most situations. Right. And so I think that in itself was what was beneficial for me. And I think the issue that, we're seeing less of now because of the internet age and the information age, um, but still exists is, you know, people just don't know what they don't know, mm. you know? Right. Um, yeah. I think that's why people end up walking into some of these situations because you just don't, you see a dollar sign right. and what looks like an opportunity and you don't mm. really know that there's another way or, right. you know, um, you know, just even negotiation tactics. Right. Um, and, and understanding leverage is key. And how do how do we get more of the you know black and brown folks to understand that there's other genres that's um, available um, to them outside of the predominantly hip hop and, and R and B drama genre, excuse me, in rap. Um, mm -hmm. because I think we go back to the exposure, mm -hmm. right? And many of us, you know, don't get the opportunity to, um, get that exposure. We usually in our community bubbles, right? Mm -hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on how, like getting more black folks in alternative music, rock and roll, um, country, you know, these kind of genres that maybe don't seem as welcoming, mm -hmm. right? Um, but at the same time, like, we could definitely do and be top tier with it and, ha and have done mm -hmm. historically, right? Um, from a community standpoint, how do we, how, how can we address that? Yeah. Or what are your thoughts? So the old saying, you know, those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think understanding the historical context of how we are now in terms of like how race has been used to divide us not only socially but like culturally and artistically um you know before before we had the r&b and hip-hop station before we had the country station and all of that a lot of it was just you know where, wherever you could get bandwidth you know what i mean like wherever you could get a signal you're you know you were hearing whatever was coming on that radio station and it could be a mix of different things. Cause in the radio era, like you don't, you don't really know who's black and who's white, right. who's Mexican, who's native American. Until they split it up and say hillbilly and race records. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So like understanding that history, right. Where 
you know, you start having people introducing this race records genre, and then genres really become a thing, but genre actually ends up becoming about dividing people based on, like, race and, like, cultural background. Like, I think understanding that piece of it to go, like, oh, this part part of how we think about culture Mm -hmm. was prescribed. Not, Not the culture itself, right? But how we were forced to, like, and not just us, right? Like, because mm-hmm. it, it happened on both sides, right? right. Like, um, think, like, really understanding that history to, I think, to then go, all right, well, what do I do now? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, well, can, is there something here for me? Like, is there is there something that I want to be able to expose myself to over there? Like, what happens if I explore? Do I like this? Like, mm-hmm. dang, maybe I really like Paramore, you know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like, um, I think that's a piece of it. I think, so understanding the historical context is one, but I think looking insular to the community, like, I think we have such a history of um, shame Mm. being thrust upon us Mm -hmm. that has been internalized into the community, unfortunately, that it's so easy for us to look on other people who are trying to do something different or like looking at things a different way. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, um, the piggyback off of that, I think too, is just understanding like blackness is not a monolith. Yes. Yes. And, and like black experiences can be different and be Mm -hmm. varied and be diverse and they're still black. Yep. You know? And I think, uh, I know I've been a prisoner of that. Mm-hmm. Growing up, saying, oh, man, you know, like, black people don't listen to that type of music. Mm-hmm. Black people don't skateboard. Like, these things mm-hmm. that I'm saying as an adolescent, and maybe even a young adult, <laughs> um, because of, like, my own lack of exposure and perspective of, like, what blackness is based on, like, what I've experienced, what I've seen, what I've been exposed to. And maybe that's part of it when it comes to music, too. No, nah, for sure. What did uh, I think it was Henry Louis Gates? Or, you know, if there's 40, 40 million black people in America, it's forty million. Or sorry, forty million black people in America, it's forty million different ways to be black. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. We we all have our own journeys, and I think learning to accept and celebrate that, and not feel like somebody is exiting themselves from mm-hmm. culture. You know, if they are not only exposing themselves to it, but, like, bringing something back. My my little cousin, first of all, my, my cousin, uh, you know, she was raised Muslim. She loves K-pop. Like, mm. loves K-pop. Can probably speak a little bit of Korean at this point. Like, if you dropped her in Seoul, like, she's probably good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, there was a period where, like, you know, for some of our other family members, and probably even for me a little bit, I was just like, why are you into this? You know? Right. Um, but, like, why not? Yeah. You know? And those small things, I think, can either crush. Yes. Or, like, expand, like, especially a young mind. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I think, and we, we may all have been kind of victims to this by our own family members. But I know when I started doing a lot of traveling... And, and just doing things out of the norm, right? Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for for black folks in my family, right? Um, 
you 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 can easily be offended, but once you rip like once you sit back and think about it, it can be toxic too, but once you sit back and think about it, people are typically giving you advice mm-hmm. um based on their mm-hmm. lack of exposure to whatever you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And so they don't know anything else but to try to warn you about mm-hmm. something they've never done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times like we can easily become victims of that. And if you're not aware as a like if you're not an adult and you're just a child and somebody's not championing you because you're doing something different and just say, nah, we don't do that, you might have just, you know, you you might have just deterred what could could have been the best dot 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 that ever existed, mm-hmm. but because of that, like because of your lack of exposure, and and kind of like just lack of like just experience, you just box that person that child in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now like you you're restricted that you're restricted life for them. Until they can come out of that some way somehow, if they do, and so it's 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 those small things. Yeah, like from championing the K-pop to like, nah, you shouldn't be doing that. Could that could that could make or break a situation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is which is crazy. Yeah, I think it was Jay Z who was talking about his uncle. I think he's. I, I don't know. I can't remember what it was, but something about you know what he wanted to do or whatever you know. We'll say it was, you know, him saying he's going to be a billionaire and his uncle just being like, nah, like, you never going. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think in the same interview, Jay-Z was like, I had to understand that, like, he just don't have that exposure. It doesn't, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, you can't fault those people. Mm-mm. But it's hard to tell a kid, like, be the bigger person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Nah, they don't you know? know. Yeah, you don't so, yeah. They don't know. I do think it's important. It's, man, it's one of the reasons that I am... Like very, uh, I, not disheartened, but I, I do hope that we can find ways to continue to have like arts education in schools, like um, music, like all of that. I do think it just it makes more well-rounded people. Period. Oh, yeah. Um, like there's stats. Yeah, there's, stats. There's literally data that points to like how art, like, like enhances many like literacy. Mm-hmm. Character, like personality, builds confidence. There's yeah. so many things that art does, um, and that's why STEM, STEAM, mm-hmm. is so important. But at the same time, unfortunately, when schools start to cut costs, it's usually arts, mm-hmm. arts programs, music programs, mm-hmm. different kind of sub groups of art are, are cut. Budgets are cut from there. Mm-hmm. You know, man. Um, I want to get into something else about like conforming. Okay. And I wonder if like you ever thought about that. Have you ever been broached? Have you ever been told like, hey, you should, if you want to make it, if you want to be successful, uh, this is the look you should go for. Or have you had those internal conversations with yourself? Um, Because if you look, you know, success kind of looks success has a particular look mm-hmm. in certain things or have right um from how people dress look um hair <laughs> skin mm-hmm. color a lot of things right mm-hmm. shades like a lot mm-hmm. of things right so i wonder if you 
have you ever thought about those things during your journey um, or been broached about that during your journey? Being light-skinned, that's a different experience than being brown, dark-skinned, brown-skinned like myself, right? Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's ever played a part in your journey in some way, somehow. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, it's interesting, I, and I, I want to tackle that head on, but I do think it goes to another piece of, like, you know, it's changed a lot because there's a lot more independence, there's a lot more access for artists mm -hmm. to like get directly to the audience now. But the history of the music industry is a very small group of people making decisions about what Large 300 people. million people <laughs> yeah. are gonna listen to, right. um, be exposed to, all of that. And so I think, you know, as that has changed, I think we've started to see some shifts and like, uh, body positively start to, uh, you know, find its way in, in music. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're seeing more people of all races, colors, whatever, doing all types of music and, and everything. But right. yeah, man, I mean, it, it, it's been, I mean, I had this conversation with somebody like the other night and somebody who like I listened to, you know, because of how successful that they've been. Um, and, you know, you have those conversations like, you know, well, definitely got to get the six pack because if you, <laughs> you want to go down this route. Because, like, a lot, a lot of what I'm doing now more is, like, it's R&B, but it's with my twist. You know what I mean? Right. And, like, you know, I'm I'm walking around the gym going R&B body, R&B body, you know, right. going to pick up some weights, like, you know, because <laughs> like, that's the goal, you know. Um, <laughs> it's just being transparent, like, being yeah. really honest about it. And it, I think some of it is, you know, it's just, it's just Mark, like, it's the nature of, of what it is, right? right? But, man, like, there are definitely times where, you know, man, check on your artist friends, because, like, <laughs> I, I can promise you they're going through it, because they're waking up every morning. Mm -hmm. I was actually just thinking about this earlier, like, a lot of people don't really understand what it's like to have to hop on a stage and in a way have your full body exposed not because you're naked right. but because everybody is literally just staring <clears throat> at you right you know what i mean and in a 30 minute set they got a whole lot of time to analyze a lot about you about your body about your voice about right. um you know your look your what you decided to wear that day oh i don't like those shoes and if you really care about having a career in this, you're always trying to optimize for pleasing that audience. And so mm -hmm. it can be a very um, mentally taxing exercise because it's you, you right. know what I mean? Like people, you know, people, marketers will tell you, you gotta be your like 10X amplified self, right? right. Yeah, but like, I, when I was being myself, y'all said that wasn't like good, and you made me put on these clothes and like change this and et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. So like, I think, and it's it's, it's always gonna be hard. It's always gonna be that trade off. Like, mm -hmm. I think this generation, like you know, um, especially the us that are like pushing through TikTok and all of that, like. Mm -hmm. People are kind of like fed up on that, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I think you're seeing more people go like, yeah, whatever, right. you know. Um, 
or like, oh, this person looks like me, and so right. I'm gonna go to that show. I'm right. gonna like listen to this music because I know they get me. Right. Um, in a way that I think, once you put money in the equation, you know, record labels they want to take that chance. Mm-hmm. All right, I got a spicy one for you right spicy. now. Spicy. I like spicy. <laughs> this is crazy right now. Okay. Um, talking about conforming, talking. I don't. I don't. You talking about conforming. And kind of want to get into like what you would and wouldn't do. Mm. Um, so I'm curious about this one. If a label came to you and said, Chris, we love what you do. We love your style and everything. Um, to take you to the next level, we want you to date a white woman white woman that's all you have to do you have to be in a relationship public with a white woman is that something that you say okay or you like what are you willing to do Chris we want to know you know it's They say, hey, to push you over the edge, you know, you gotta you gotta have that white woman. You gotta have that black man with the white woman on his shoulder. What are you doing? So I think <laughs> I think for me, like I I'm coming to understand that like people can see through like stuff that's, you know, right and contrived. Right. And I, that would be the point that I knew that those partners weren't for me. Mm, okay. And, and it's not because, like, I, I'm all over the place in terms of, like, the dating spectrum. Right. But um, I think to try and force me to have a conversation with my audience that mm-hmm. was inauthentic right. would say to me, like, oh, you guys don't get me or my audience. And we probably need to go somewhere else. And the reason I the reason I pose that question to mm-hmm. you is because um, there's this thing that we, that we know that exists. It's mm-hmm. like a real life thing that when a black man gets successful, mm-hmm. you know, they tend to pivot towards having mm-hmm. um, a non black woman. Mm-hmm. You know, that can mm-hmm. that can be a white woman, that can be Asian, that can be Latinx, that can be mm-hmm. you know a mm-hmm. spectrum of different women that are not black, right? Um, and so that's why I posed that one to you and see what you would say. And I see mean, what you would say. I mean, we did. We get into your soul now. Yeah. Because some people will give up their soul for you know that deal for that money, um, rightfully or wrongfully. So I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't tend to. I in the in probably in 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 the past I might have probably. Looked at people different and sideways about that. Mm-hmm. But now, like, understanding how, like, fakeness mm-hmm. is really in and, like, like not being your authentic self is accepted. It's okay. Mm-hmm. People actually, like, the world tells you put that filter on it. Mm-hmm. Like, don't be your natural, beautiful self, mm-hmm. whatever that is, right? And so it makes, like, it makes sense. People don't probably don't even feel like it's a compromise. People yeah. feel like this is probably like, hey, oh, this is, the reality mm-hmm. that we're living in, so this is normal, mm-hmm. you know. Well, yeah, because I mean, uh, the part of the piece of it is like part of my job is to create a world for people. Is, yeah, you know, some of 
you know, I, I think there, there's a, a mix of approaches to music, and I think mm-hmm. you can catch all of those things from one artist. I think you took take like a Marvin Gaye where you get like a what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but on, say, like a, a let's get it on, he's taking you to a place, you know what I'm saying? Like right. he's building a world for you. And, you know, especially now where people aren't just trying to sell records, they're trying to sell brands. Right. Um, you got to, they want you to be full scope. They want to have some of that in the public eye, you know? Right. Um, what what is What has been some of your biggest challenges, like, doing this journey? Because I know you talked about, like, like, check on your artist friends because of, like, kind of, like, what, can, what, what has to go into you all giving us what we see and mm-hmm. what we hear, right? Um, for you, what, what has that personal, personal journey been like and challenges and hurdles um, that people may not even know about, haven't seen? They just see the guitar, the hair, and the music, mm-hmm. right? But, like, the, the path on there got some sweat, got some blood, Mm-hmm. Uh, some mm-hmm. tears, <laughs> you know. What 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 have been some of those things that you've experienced, and maybe what has like been the hardest thing to like your maybe your your maybe lowest moment mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. might have said like ah I'll probably go and throw in the towel. Yeah, um, I'll say my lowest moment. And it's really hard to like pinpoint one thing, honestly. <laughs> uh, and and it's really like I've I've gone through a few different phases. Like um, me and Chico breaking up, Call of Dope actually was like not uh, Call of Dope for for y'all that don't know is the group I was in in, in college and in, in the high school, and it's me and one of them, like my brother from uh, another mother. Uh, you know, realizing where I was to blame and, and like, mm. his unhappiness with that situation. Mm. Um, and coming to terms with that over time, you right. know, has been hard. And, like, wow. Um, that accountability. You know, like, if you, if you want to... Like honestly, that piece of it is is the hardest part. Like, if you want to get better or something, if you want to get somewhere, at some point you're gonna have to look yourself in the mirror and, and be honest with yourself about why you aren't there yet. Mm. And just reality, like you're not gonna like those answers sometimes. Right. Um, probably a lot of the time. Um, and so I think that piece of it in itself, I think trying to figure out direction mm-hmm. because like there's some like there's some artists who just like this is the thing I want to do like this is the type of music I want to make mm-hmm. and they just go that direction some like somebody <clears throat> like me who listen to everything you know right. what I mean um and I I've like really written and produced like in in like just about every genre you know what I mean or right. like have been adjacent to or whatever. And so that mental gymnastics of, well, if I make this kind of music, if I make this type of song, like, will it pop? Like, will it hit? Like, am I going, you know, and, and moving in all those different, different directions, you know, it's like 
that in itself was like trying to decide whether or not to move to a new city and having a list of like 10 cities to pick from and they all kind of look good right. you know but they all got their Something. issues yeah. you know what i mean um and you don't really know which one is going like mm-hmm. where you're going to go and flourish or where you're going to end up on the streets right. you know and so that in itself is just it can be rough um Honestly, dating sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just being really, really honest, me and my manager talk about this all the time. Shout out to Big Al. Um, like, if people don't get it, yeah, they will not get it. Yeah. And the the time and the energy and the effort that has to go into because you're you're essentially you're an entrepreneur, period. Yeah, for sure. And most of us are being entrepreneurs while like having a, a, a day gig or whatever that like funds the, the other thing or, or whatever the case may be. And by the time you get through your, you know, call it 12, 16 hours in your day, right. and you dog tired and ready just to call it right. so you can hop up the next day and start right, right, right back at it. A lot of people aren't gonna get that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've come to understand that my love language is not quality time. <laughs> um, because I, I would it's like explaining to somebody it's not that I don't want to spend time with you. Right. I am like passionate about this. Right. I feel drawn to this. I feel right. purposed by this. Right. And it's just gonna take this much time. Right. And like you either got to be down and stick around for the ride or, like, mm-hmm. find something else. A lot of people are going to go find, find something, something else. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, And, I like, I'm saying that I haven't just come out of a situation. Um, and I think that was a, a large part of it. I'm, yeah. I'm chasing the thing, you know what I mean? I think um, that's something I had to realize, too, like, in my previous relationship that allowed me to be in the relationship that I am now. Right, great, perfect. You know what I'm saying? Wouldn't ask for anything else, but I had to, like, you have to find a partner that complements mm-hmm. your goals and dreams. Mm-hmm. That's the best way I can say it. Like, if they don't complement it and they're trying to, like, be in competition with it, mm-hmm. like, eh, you know, one of, you're going to give up on one of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to make a choice, right? Mm-hmm. This is just, it, just, it, just, it just won't be a healthy relationship. And so uh, it's funny how, like, we all at some point or should, um, like, have to figure that out, right, uh, through trial and tribulation, yeah. right? And then finally say to, like, okay, I know the type of, like, partner that I need. Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, be able to be transparent about that and identify that mm-hmm. once you kind of come to that realization. Um, Nashville, man. Uh, Music City. Music City. As they say, you know. Um, and what are your kind of, what are your next steps and goals, expectations, man, um, for your music and like breaking out of Nashville, breaking in Nashville, but mm-hmm. out of Nashville, being able to, you know, expand your audience base, but also develop that base here mm-hmm. and being, hey, not only am I a national native, like I actually broke my music out of here. Mm-hmm. 
as a black man, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, that does this unique mm-hmm. alternative genre as well. Um, um, where do you see that going? Is that do you believe Nashville is the market for you to be able to do that in and base your base in? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I mean, first thing I just gotta say, like, thank you to the city, um, just because you know o- over various periods, like like Nashville shown us so much love, man. Um, when we were doing Call of Dope, you know. There was a period where, you know, we were playing, like, pretty frequently, you know, um, more than I think we expected to and more than I, well, at, you know, 2021, we were pretty arrogant, <laughs> so we probably thought we deserved more, but, <laughs> but you know, like, we, we would ask and people would respond positively. Now, we were showing up and, like, you know, our whole thing was always to put on the show and give people what they wanted. And so even now, like, um, as I've emerged as, like, Chris Hatch, the artist, um, the city's been been very good to us, you know, and has given us a lot of stages um, that, you know, sometimes me and, like I said, me and my manager, um, uh, we'll, we'll look back and just go, like, dang. Like, we, we just did that recently, like... <laughs> We we were projecting that we were going to slow down uh, around August because last year we did right. It's like August we'll slow down. We'll start working on like new music, all of that. Bro, I mean we've <laughs> <laughs> things been going up. You know that's what you want, um, and so it's it's been good in that regard. Uh, and so I, I gotta like always give give love to the city and the promoters and and the audiences that have just shown us love mm-hmm. like i mean like even doing like bar gigs and stuff like that like where we like we were playing at the spot here called ph you know just having people like pull up to like see us play covers and yeah. you know like that that's been love bro and, but i think too man i think i told you this too but like your talent like allows you, I think, to, to 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 maybe not have to go through some of those other barriers. Oh, they there. They there. Yeah, I'm gonna say like when I say other barriers, yeah. I mean like shout out to Big Al, but we were just talking about this today too. Mm-hmm. Like we was talking about like for hip hop artists, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like like the, the one of the main issues is like venues mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and right the venues not wanting to like book and have that genre in their position so it's hard to get exposure yeah when you you know don't have the venue support mm-hmm. where I say because of like because like Nashville is a, is, is an amazing live music mm-hmm. city and what you do is perfect for that mm-hmm. and so that's what I mean by like Certain barriers. Not yeah. saying that you, you're a black man in America. Like you was born with barriers, <laughs> look, look, look. <laughs> right? But uh, and so that's what I meant from a from a, from from a from a music kind of uh, way. And then like I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you retort. Then I have another question for you. Okay. Yeah. So like I got a shout out um, Eric Hope from Love Noise. Just um, I, I was a Love Noise intern, and you know even like when we were doing Call of Dog. Uh, he was always somebody who was willing to just kind of like give some advice and and lend an ear and, and everything. Um, and so like 
you know, interning for him, we talked a lot about that and how hard, even for them being like established promoters, it was to get venues to, you know, just allow them to book their their hip hop shows and, and whatever there. And a lot of it is, uh, you know, from my point of view, it's just, it's based in stereotype, mm. you know. Um, and you'll hear that kind of like coded language. This looks like a rough crowd, right. you know. Uh, or, um, you know, we've seen this. Uh, social media has allowed a lot of things to, to come to light in some of these different yeah. venues. Um, and, you know, it's it's unfortunate. And it, mm-hmm. it's... Um, it's it's weird because in a town like this, there could be, there's there's really a huge opportunity for Nashville and and like I think if anything that's what I would say like. Looking forward, this city could really like, hit that, music city brand hard, yeah. but I, I just don't think that, it will be because it was monolithic in its approach. Mm. Um, I think you you have to because a lot a lot of that goes into where people can get you know incentives and mm-hmm. um, you know where they can get space mm-hmm. um, because you know certain parts of town don't work want certain types of venues right. um, in, in their spaces. But like imagine, I, and I, I had this like you know being an artist, you know I've had to drive Uber before, and. Um, Man, like having people get in my car and be like, "All right, we're done with Broadway. Can you take us to like, you know, somewhere else, like where we can hear live music, but just not this, mm-hmm. you know?" And it's like, "Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I absolutely get you, and right. I know exactly where to take you because it does exist." Um, I don't know, man. I would love to see the city really get behind, like. Um, you know, there's some stuff in the works, but like, you know, a venue that was really designed for uh, R&B and hip hop mm. or um, for, you know, if you go through the airport for you to see them promoting the mm. venue where you can go see the, the rock band and the pop band and, uh, you know. Don't be like super heavy just on country. Yeah, because like... I. The beautiful part is people come to town, and I hear it all the time. They come to town, and they're like, y'all literally have music everywhere. Yeah. And we take it for granted, you mm-hmm. know. Um, the reality is you can go down on Broadway at 3 o'clock on a Monday afternoon and hear a world-class musician shredding, like right. ripping it up. That also exists in other pockets. Right. Like, And I think those same tourist dollars that support, you know, that... Mm-hmm. Five block radius would also, right. you know, yeah. Um, man, I want to kind of, I want to kind of close with you. Um, you know, telling us like, kind of what you got coming up. Um, what are some other takeaways you want people to know about Chris Hatch? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, where where people can you know find your you know your music, your who you are, mm-hmm. book you out, whatever whatever you want to, whatever info you want to give out, man. And that's how 
I want to give you that time and that space. Yeah, so I'll say, you know, real quick, you can, you can hit me on Instagram, khrys.hatch. Um, stuff we got coming up, I'm putting out a project. I'm really, really excited about it. It's a concept EP. It's about relationships. It's about the beginning of a relationship. And um, the, the title song from the EP is called The Fall. It's out now. And uh, it's really just about, like, that moment from when you catch somebody from across the room and you decide you're going to work up the nerve to go talk to them mm-hmm. and, like, you know, what's up? All the way through to the point where you decide to be more vulnerable, especially, like, as a man, like, um, deciding to be, like, y'all really like you and I, <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, it it's difficult it, it, it takes a little bit to get there right. you know um and so the project goes from the first song which is a song called cookies um what's your flavor you know peanut butter chocolate chip can i save or you just like you trying yeah. to spit the little smooth game or whatever through to the song called go deep where it's like tell me do you think about me in the morning uh want to say my name even when you're still yawning if this is how you feel, don't run from it. Never know. It just might be what you wanted. Don't give them too much, Chris. I won't give them too much. I won't give them too much. But, um, you know, I think that that full scope of, like, the evolution um, told across six songs and one interlude, um, really, really excited for it. It's got all, um, all the features of women. So it's me and, like, counterparts talking through wow. the whole project. Um that's the type of relationships you like, right? Yeah, you yeah, and yeah, multiple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, he, 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 he sent it out there. Yeah, I, oh, it's me and multiple. I know where Shalak came yeah, up. That's, that's that's the that's the that's the type of relationship that Chris likes, y'all. So if you oh, if you gosh. down for it, hey. <laughs> oh man, you got the people at the church saying. <laughs> hey, you know it is oh, what it man. is. It is what it is. But yeah, man, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that, um, and we'll be playing a bunch more around town. We're shooting to, um, you know, start playing around the region a little bit more, too. Cool, man. Look, I, man, I, I know I've learned some things about you that I didn't know, um, and I know people who tune in, it's like, gonna, I think they're going to they gonna enjoy this, man, and, and really, like, like I, I love when I have artists on here, and it's like... Like it's easy to talk about y'all's music, right? But like the journey and mm-hmm. like the community aspect and like kind of where that comes from and like the small nuances, right? That could have probably changed the trajectory of like White Creek versus Human Fall. Yeah. Like those small things, man. I really appreciate y'all sharing, um, and I appreciate you coming and sharing just your journey. And I'm excited to see the the latter evolution of Chris Hatch and what that looks like, man, and representing the city. Um, here and beyond, and uh, I just want the first Grammy interview, man. That's if you, man, you know, man. give me that media pass, you know, no, man. For sure, for sure, <laughs> That's man. all that you know. Just get let me let me get that, um, and you know, man, that'll be good for me. That's you, bro. You the real deal, bro. <laughs> um, but I will say this too, man. Um, Chris, let me get an exclusive listen to the to the project, man, and it's dope, man. Um, I, I really I really that. enjoyed it and the concept behind it. Um, and then like all the other, I ain't gonna give up too much, but all the other promo that you got coming with it, it's hard, man. And so y'all stay tuned. Um, 
Nashville, we got a special one. And so I'm going to go ahead and give you your yeah. bouquet of flowers right now. Oh, bro. Um, <laughs> because I think, you know what I'm saying, you're special, man. And I just, I just hope, like, Nashville recognizes that, right? The powers that be. And you don't have to... You don't have to go somewhere else for for you to be recognized in a mm-hmm. way, and you know I just you know, I, I I hope that we're past that in Nashville at this particular point. But uh, man, you always got a platform up here, man. And just uh, you know, it. talk your shit, get vulnerable, <laughs> put it all out there, man. And uh, thanks, man. Thanks for your time, man. Nah, thank you. Love to be here. Cool, bet, man. Y'all check out Chris Hatch. Um, and y'all might catch me on the album or something one of these days. Sure, sure. I'm like your daddy, if I can say. <laughs> if I can say, oh my God, I'll be a problem. Oh, uh, yeah. man. Uh, appreciate it, though, Chris, man. Oh, man. Thank you.